One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lie. Living, loving, laughing. We're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up. All right, welcome. Here we are. We're having a good time. This is the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay, and I'm here with my co-host, Hannah Hogan. Hello, great to be here, Dusty. Uh, Hannah Hogan, not only is she my co-host, but also my wife, and we're here today, back in Nashville, fresh off the resort life. Lucky you, you uh, you, you found your, your perfect co-host in your wife. How did that even happen? There was a series of auditions, and boom, I got it. A lot of training. I had to really train her to <laughs> to get with it here. You did kind of have to train me. But we're, we are having a good time, and let's get right into it with the Where We've Been, Where We're Going segment. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going. Where, where they been. Where we're going, where we've been. Where we been? We were at Seven Springs Resort in Champion, Pennsylvania. Uh, we had a lovely time. I'd like to get into it a little more in our uh, on the road segment because I'm having a little trouble differentiating the on the road subject sub uh, section section uh, from the where we been, where we're going. So I'm trying to define it. So in the where we been, where we're going, we just talk about it. We just say where we been. And on the road, we get into it, right? Yeah. Because I like both of those songs, so I want to play them both. Yeah. But um, so uh, we have been we were at Seven Springs Resort, Champion, Pennsylvania, doing a gig for the uh, convenience restaurant company Sheets. And then where I'm going, where I'm going is Colorado. I'm going to Denver tomorrow to do Comedy Works South. And then I'm going to Salida, Colorado for a gig, and then Boulder, Colorado for a gig, and then Greeley, Colorado for a gig on Saturday. So I'll be there for four days. I'll do five or six shows. I don't know. There may be a couple a night in some of these places. I think uh, Friday and Boulder be two shows, and all the details are on my website, I hope. Uh, I think they are, and, um, and I'm very excited. It's going to be a wonderful time. I love Colorado. My nephew is coming to town, and I'm going to fly him to Colorado with me. He has an interest in Colorado for some reason. And uh, he wants to go. He's a bit younger than me, and he wants to go, and he uh, he's 27. He's not that much younger than me. My sisters are older than me, and my sister had him when she was 19. So he's uh, 10 years older than I'm 10 years older than him. He was actually born... On the night before my first day of fifth grade, and I stayed up all night in the hospital and then had to go to school the next day. When I got out of school that day, I cried. Why? Uh, Because I was tired. And since then, any (laughs) time I'm sleep deprived, I want to cry. I don't. I don't do it, but I want to. (laughs) That's That's so cute. That's the difference in me in fifth grade and me now. If I don't get sleep now, I want to cry, but I don't do it. Yeah. It's it's I mean I've done a couple of like all nighters where I drove all night and like and I'll be awake the entire night. That next day weird emotions come out in me. That I like a severe anger, uh sadness, a wave of emotions. Sleep deprivation is not good for me. S- sleep deprivation is real and I really relate to what you just said because when I'm sleep deprived, which is often um I think it's more like I get depression. Like, I just feel, like, negative about everything, and everything just feels gross. And I'm like, I'm always going to feel like this. Totally. I mean, the the last time I, I did it, it was the weekend that my friend Vince Fabra got married. Um, I was doing some shows with some people, Clint Orr and another guy on the road. Maybe Nick, uh, what was his last name? Dang, I haven't seen him in a long time. I forget his last name now. Moved to Atlanta from Charlotte doesn't matter all right 
I like him. He's my friend. I just can't remember his last name. But anyway, we were doing some shows together on the road. I was in Johnson City, and I and I had a show in Charleston the next night. We were doing a show before Vince's wedding, like a big – he had his whole wedding party there, his family, his wife's family. So he wanted them to see his comedy. So he had all his friends do comedy, me and Danny Green, Sam Yakel. We all did a show. And I had gotten us some radio that morning before the show, but I realized that – in order for me to make it there on time, I would have to leave Johnson City after the show and just drive to Charleston. And I did that, and I got to a parking lot outside of the radio station. I had a few hours to go, so I was going to try to catch a nap, a nap. But the security guard kept driving around, and by the time I got to sleep, he comes knocking on the window. And he's asking me what I'm doing. I'm like, well, I'm going to do this radio station a little while later today. I'm just trying to catch some sleep before. And he goes, okay, no problem. But he keeps driving around so I can't sleep. So I end up going – it's summertime, so I end up going down to Folly Beach. And I went for a swim. I just changed into my bathing suit out there. The sun was coming up. I just went for a swim in the ocean on Folly Beach, and it was great. I love very refreshing. And then I got out and I was like, oh, now I don't know what to do for a shower. So I just went into the public bathroom of the beach and took a bar of soap in there and just like bathed in the bathroom and then put my clothes back on and went and did radio and then went and hung out with people. But I had no sleep. I was very sad later that day. (laughs) That's a lot. There's a lot going on in that story. I know. There's like a weird, peaceful swim in the ocean, a little interaction with the police, and Johnson City, Tennessee. Yeah. It was a great time, though. We had a really good time. So that's where I've been, and uh, where we're uh, – oh, and I already said where we're going, going to Colorado. Very exciting. So now uh, let's get into the on-the-road segment. They're on the road again. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Telling super funny jokes to all their friends. And I'm still on the road again. Yeah! Now, we went to Seven Springs Resort, and we had a blast. Now, I will say this. The only reason that you didn't see a appearance of Resort Dusty on Instagram is because they did not give me a robe. I had no robe in the hotel, which is pretty unfortunate. And that was the only thing. But we stayed at Kiowa Island Resort not too long ago and it ruined all resorts for us because it is so incredibly nice in Kiowa Island. I mean, it's unbelievable that we'll say that when we checked into seven Springs, knowing that it was a resort, we were a little let down, but we spent five days there. And after being there for that long, we didn't want to leave that. Oh yeah. I'm mad that I'm home right now. That had become our home. Yeah. I don't know that we've spent five days together in any place in a long time, and we just loved it. We were like, this is our home now. We slept great. We had a balcony. We slept great every night. It's a ski resort, but we're there in the summertime, so we still rode the ski lifts up to the mountain, and then they had a little thing that it was basically like the same kind of cement that a curb uh, or like a gutter is made out of, like if you see gutters in the city. But they had these little carts that fit right inside of them. We made some videos with them. We are going to get that edited and get that out. Uh, But these things, we could just ride the cart right down, and it was so fun. Such a blast. It was beautiful. We're just right up there in those, you know, Pennsylvania mountains. I don't know what they're called. I don't know either. Um, Appalachians? Maybe. I don't know. Um, No, Appalachians is where we are. Um, but it was, yeah, it was so pretty. Lots of green, lots of, you know, country things to do. Lots of gophers out there. We saw a lot of gophers out there playing in the, in the grass and whatnot. And there was a pool we didn't take advantage of. There was a, there was a uh, hot tub that we didn't take advantage of. We didn't do mini golf or bowling or. No, but we We did. I think what the thing is, is that we just didn't really do anything. Well, we didn't want to do anything because it was just so nice to rest. We went and got uh, – Hannah got a pedicure and I got a massage. We ate a lot. Which was, was really fun. The, and I think the real hit of the of the week was the uh, delicious breakfast every yeah. day. Yeah, well, let's, let's – we got a food on the road segment to get to. Oh, so okay. we'll save that. I don't like all these divisions you're making. I know. I like the divisions, though. It keeps it separate. We just got to – that way we can play all our bumpers. Okay. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. So we um, – we uh, 
And then, and then the shows. I mean, the reason I was there was because I had been hired by the company uh, Sheets to do comedy. Now, what they do is they bring in uh, a new batch of people on Friday, Wednesday, no, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a new batch of people, and it's people from all of their stores that have been with the company five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, something like that, right? Like you get to come every five-year anniversary that you're with Sheets. I think that's correct. And uh, so, you know, we got all these people that work at Sheets all over the country and all over the several states that they're in, and they just get this party. It's just a free party. It's not a sales meeting. But interestingly enough, the first night, it reminded me so much of the annual sales meetings that I used to have with the company Spectracide that I used to work for years ago. So one night, me and Hannah, we've been hanging out in the room all day, no show that night. We're, we're out looking around. Everything's shut down, so we're looking for snacks. And we go to find the vending machine, and I'm walking through there, no hat, uh, and this guy, I hear someone go, is that Dusty Slay? And I look over, and it is the old boss from Spectracide, the company I used to work for. It's him, and then Pat. Uh, Pat uh, was uh, one of my bosses at Spectracide, but Pat was also like a childhood friend. Like He's friends with my brother-in-law, so he used to come over to my trailer way back and go hunting out in the fields behind, and I haven't seen him in years. And so it was him and then a bunch of Spectracide people that I knew and uh, hadn't seen in seven years. And so it's like it's so bizarre to run into them in Pennsylvania like that just at a resort, and they were up there doing a Home Depot event. And it was amazing. Yeah, it was a real whirlwind. We stood there in that in that lobby just talking. I mean, because, you know, I always, you know, towards the end of that job, I really hated it. I liked it in the beginning. I really hated it towards the end. But I never really hated the people. I always liked the people. I enjoyed them. So seeing them was really nice. It was really fun. I enjoyed it. But... So Sheets, I think Sheets is a great company. So they do these things where it's not an annual sales meeting. It's just a party. So the people come in and they have, you know, they talk to them for a little bit and then they have uh, a buffet. They do a cookout, which was, uh, I, you know, I'm not into pork, but they had two huge pigs out there that they had roasted. And so people that are into it loved it. And they had, they had ribs and they had uh, flank steak, and they had chicken. They had a whole bunch of stuff, and it was like – it was the same every night but because it, they basically had the same party three days for people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like on Monday, it was the exact same thing as Wednesday, and Wednesday was the exact same thing as Friday. The only thing different was the people that showed up to do it. Uh, the people – so I did a comedy show. I did the same comedy show every night. Um you know, I, I changed it up some. It varied. But I just had a blast. I loved doing it. And on Thursday was a special event for, like, people who had been there for 35 years or more, something like that. So it was a smaller group. But they had Kathleen Madigan. She came in. So I got to hang out with Kathleen a little bit, who was very nice, Kathleen and Jody, her manager. And uh, we got to hang out with them, and uh, that was very fun. I'm going to do a show with Kathleen later this year in Vegas. I've actually booked several Vegas gigs lately, which is very exciting. I'll be doing the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club in Vegas and uh, another show, which is – Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon? What did I say? You said Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel, yes. Okay. Yeah. And um, very exciting stuff. But – But the shows were just great. And then there was a backstage crew. I think it's Vivo Creative, and they do all the Sheets gigs. I don't know if they do other gigs. I don't know what their their whole deal – I tried to ask, but it never was clear. But I got to hang out with them. A lot of times corporate events, 
there'll be no one to hang out with, really. You come in, you sit in a room, you wait till they call you out, and then you go do comedy. But they had such a production that they had a whole crew there. They had, like, jumbotrons and a camera crew. And so I got to hang out with them. And if you are uh, follow me on Instagram, at Dusty Slay, you'll see there's a picture of us all waving, choreographed at the same time. So we had a great time. And then me and Hannah, you know, we just got to hang out the whole time. We walked to a store one time, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but it was a long nature walk down a mountain road. And it's very fun. Well, the cool thing for you is, you know, you've been on the go for a long time. So, you know, you're home for three days and then you, you know, you fly out somewhere, right? So what was cool was we flew out on Monday and then we just had five days of just not having to go anywhere. Since we weren't at home, we couldn't run any errands or attend to anything that we would attend to in Nashville when you're home. So it really was just kind of a nice week of rest. We got to eat food. We hung out. But, you know, some nights we just oh, didn't yeah. even really talk to each other. You know, we just kind of rested. That's true. And uh, and I just want – I wanted to finish the full rundown. I forgot that I was even doing that. But so they would be – they would give them food. They would oh. have a buffet. And then they would do, you know, some kind of award ceremony for people. And then um, I would come out and do an hour of comedy. And then, which is great. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I mean, having done this whole series on advice to comics, it's so nice to me to see that, you know, I have followed this advice that I'm giving out. I mean, this is my story. It's not just advice. It's basically just saying what I've done. But to be able to go out in front of um, a group of people like that that are not expecting a comedy well they they may know a comedy show's coming but they're not at a comedy club they didn't buy tickets for a comedy club and there's no opener no one opens for me they just say all right next up is a comedian and then they'll give they gave me a great intro it was very nice but i come out to an audience that has not laughed at any jokes and i have to do an hour's worth of comedy 600 700 people 600 700 people per show and, you know, and they, they even told me that as the week goes on, people every year, it seems like as the week goes on, people seem to loosen up, even though it's a different crowd. So Monday will be a little tighter of an audience. Wednesday will be a little looser and Friday is the loosest. To be honest with you, I enjoyed all shows. I think the only difference for me is that I got looser as the week went on because, you know, whenever I'm at a new club, I'm like a little tight. I'm like a little weird. I don't know what's, uh, you know, I don't know the room. I don't know the people. I got to get comfortable. So by the by the third night, so that's why it's like if I'm working a weekend somewhere and I'm at the same club, like Thursday I think is um, could be my worst show because I could be a little rusty coming off of not doing shows and then by the by the way the week pans out, I, I really get into it. But um, – so following my own advice, I had 60 minutes of clean material to do. And and for me, it wasn't like I didn't go, ooh, what's the clean stuff? What can I do? What's okay? I just did my act. And at the end of the night, one of the guys – at the end of Monday, one of the guys came up to me that was like in the corporate office of Sheets. And he's like, I'm going to talk to him, see if I can't let him let you open up a little bit. Like I guess mean be dirtier. And I'm like, oh, well, this is what I do. And – uh so, but that actually gave me a little comfort because there are a few jokes that I do that I'm like, well, if they want clean, I don't know if I should venture into this. Even though I don't consider it dirty, I'm still like, I'm on, I'm, I'm, I question it. So when he said that, I was like, okay, no, I'm gonna do a bit of my edgier jokes. So I did stuff and a little edgier, and and I got into some stuff, and I had a good time with it. And it was such a fun time. And then so after the comedy show, then they would take them outside, and there was a band from Atlanta. I don't remember their name. Do you remember their name? Mm-mm. I don't remember. But a great band from Atlanta. They did all cover songs, but they really jammed. They rocked it. And then they had all these desserts, desserts that were far too nice to eat. Uh, but it wasn't, you know. They was, were like art installation pastries. Yeah, yeah it was a weird dessert. But – um, but the show was great, and then you know neither of us really drink, so we would hang out at the party for a bit, and then we'd go back to our hotel room. But we had a balcony, and then every night after the the concert would be a firework display, 
So the first night we're out there, we filmed the whole fireworks display. We were like, this is amazing. And it really was a good fireworks display. And then on Wednesday, we watched it again, and we were like, this is so great. Friday, we were like, we just sat and played on our phones the whole time. I was like, yeah, I'm over fireworks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're like, we're done with a firework display. Yeah, that's how spoiled we are. But they did. That's what I think is so great about Sheets, though. I mean, they really spent a lot of money um, to, you know, make make these people have a good time. And it's like, you know, you could say, well, they could split that money and give that to their employees. But I was doing some math, and I'm only figuring what they paid for stuff and, and, and dividing it up. Once you divided it up amongst the people, what they got in this event would be more than what they could get for the money if they just gave them the money. Mm-hmm. So, I, And I think it's nice. I think that companies building a little camaraderie amongst your employees is nice. And especially, like, let's say you've been working at somewhere for five years, and you maybe think, oh, man, I need to get out of here. But then suddenly your company rewards you by saying, hey, thanks for sticking around. You show up at this event, and you find that there's 700 other people who have been working there as long as you, if not longer. And then you think, well, maybe I'm on the right path. If all these people are sticking around at this place, maybe it's not not so bad. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I just think that's great. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Now, you got anything to add? No. Food on the road. I said food on the road. Food on the road. Tell us about that breakfast. Well, you know, we don't really eat breakfast here. And I mean, we do eat breakfast, but just sometimes. You know, sometimes we'll have some eggs or we'll have some porridge. You know, that's oatmeal for for southerners. Yeah, oatmeal and or cereal. But a lot of times we would just wake up, have a coffee, and just wait to get hungry a couple hours later. So the idea of a hearty breakfast is pretty foreign to us. But we got free breakfast vouchers for the whole week, so we thought, well, we might as, since that was the only free meal that we were aware of at that time. We're like, well, we might as well, you know, indulge in the breakfast. And we went down there and. It was a buffet breakfast, and this wasn't any kind of continental breakfast. This was an, this is an American breakfast. Uh, yeah, it was great. I'm realizing now, since I told you that we were going to save stuff for food on the road, that I went ahead and described that whole buffet in the wrong segment, and I'm sorry about that. What buffet? That that they had at the uh, with the pigs. Oh yeah. Just want to tell you. Yeah, you're making the rules here. Yeah, I know, and then I messed up. Yeah. I want to tell you, I'm sorry about that. Well, I appreciate that, Dustin. Yeah. But the uh, but yeah the breakfast was great. They had people making you omelets, and they had fruit, and they had uh, donuts. donuts, and all kinds of pastries and yogurts and and what I got into was the waffles. Oh they yeah, had buttermilk waffles with buttermilk syrup and butter. And when I was a kid, my best friend, when I would go over to her house some weekends and sleep, spend the night, sometimes her mom would make buttermilk waffles. And man, it really it really made me remember that. So I was just eating those waffles every day as a as a token yeah. to my childhood. And we would just get a table where we were out looking at the mountains and you know, we'd just sit there and eat our breakfast and look at the mountains and it was great. And then for lunch we had a few restaurants inside the resort that we would go to. Timbers, the Slopeside. Slopeside, the Bavarian, and we tried them all and we liked them all. I mean, there was some things we didn't care for. Uh, but overall it was great. I mean, we never needed to leave the resort. Yeah, I mean, I got wild. I had cake at lunch one time. Yeah. Um, you know, and but you know, and then the manager of the whole thing, I forget his name. I think his name's Darren, actually, but I don't want to get it wrong. I don't think he's listening to the podcast, but um he was from Charleston. He lived at Isle of Palm, so he heard my Hyman's jokes and we talked for a long time and he, he really liked me. And then I never saw him the rest of the weekend. I was pretty bummed. I, I liked him and I, I wanted to catch up with him some more but he said he used to live out at the isle of palms and uh just telling me all this stuff and we were probably living there at the same time and i told him that i bombed real bad at the wind jammer out on isle of palms one time and that is true actually the wind jammer is probably the place where i bombed at and then decided to quit comedy the first time it was such a bad bomb it was one of those where you know, if you do really well, people would be like, let me buy you a drink, man. And then if you did really bad, they would go, man, that takes some balls to get up there. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so it sent me into a uh, – what was happening to me is I was watching Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor has this bit about where when he had a heart attack, it was like his heart was talking to him and he had a conversation with his heart. 
So I tried to do that same concept, but with nicotine, saying every time I try to quit nicotine, nicotine talks to me. And it just bombed real hard. And I didn't understand how to, you know, I didn't have enough jokes to come out of the bombing joke and then go back into another good joke and be like, okay, sorry about that. We're having a good time. You know, I didn't have any of that back then. So I was just like, whoa, that bombed. And then I did my next joke and it bombed. And then the next one bombed. And then I just was sinking, sinking, sinking. And I didn't know what to do. And it's like, and it was hard. It was hard to deal with. It took you out of the game for a couple of years. Huh? Yeah, it was hard to deal with. And um, there was, a, I had a lot of those actually, but that was the one I think that finally did it for me. But I had a lot of those. And um, it's unfortunate. But uh, that's why you work hard at it. Is there uh, anything you'd like to add? Nah. Um, okay. Well, let's get into it. The One of the guys at the uh, who worked the backstage crew, he had, uh, du- he had apparently done an impression of me for the rest of the crew. Yeah. And they asked him to do the impression for me. And I think it was too much pressure on him. I mean, he did it, he did it a little bit, but it was too much pressure on him. And I wish that I could have saw, saw him do it because I like it. I like when people do impressions of me. I think that's fine. What did he do for you? Well, he was just trying to do some of my jokes. Oh. He was doing like the Afghan joke, but he was trying to talk like me. And- <laughs> I always try to talk like you. It's so hard because I feel like I can do pretty good impressions of people. But you, I can't capture you because your voice is too deep. Well, one time... I can't even nail your accent. It's so weird. My my buddy Mike, back in Charleston, he used to be able to really do it. He actually called a girl one time and left a message on her answering (laughs) machine as me, and she thought it was me. Yeah, I mean, your voice is just too deep, and even when I try to talk like you, it just is just like, I'm always just like, come on, now you won't... You. <laughs> I think when I used to drink and smoke cigarettes, though, my voice would be a lot raspier. Oh, my And goodness. I would talk louder. And, and Oh, Lord, did yeah, you? Yeah, I was wild. Oh, gosh. I was wild. I was, a, I was wild. Like, how would you sound? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I just know that people would do impression. Mike used to do an impression of me all the time, and it would just always be a loud, raspy. Uh, I had even pe- a couple people tell me I sounded Cajun, like I come from Cajun country. Like John, really? like John Morgan. Oh yeah, yeah, like oh, that yeah, kind of I stuff. John Morgan. Uh, I had a girl one time uh, tell me when I first moved to Charleston that I talk like. Um, oh, now I can't think of the guy's name. He was in uh, Independence Day with Will Smith. He was the friend that died. Um, he's a sing piano. Uh, Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. Uh, she told me I, I sounded like Harry Connick Jr. And I really thought that was a compliment. I was like, wow, that's great. And I told my buddy. I was like, hey, this girl told me I, I sound like Harry Connick Jr. He goes, yeah, but you can't sing like him. And I was like, oh, okay, really bringing me down. You know what I mean? All right. You ready? Yeah. This is week 10. Advice. Advice. This is the final week of the original 10 episodes that I set out to do. Now, I've already written a week 11 um, because I want to continue the conversation about comedy. I want to keep it going. But of the original 10, How to Become a Comic, this is the final episode. This is week 10. Now, before I get into week 10, I want to address that uh, a couple of people expressed concerns to me about playing music over the advice to comics. They talking trash. They talking smack. Telling so many lies. I know they're full of crap. That's okay, hate is gonna hate. Uh-huh. I'll play at Stinky's Joke Bond with them any day. They, they, they talking trash. And so, what I did on that last episode is I went in and I deleted the music and then I re uploaded it. I don't know how that works. I don't know if that'll go in and fix it on iTunes. But we got our first four star review off of that four out of five. And that's, that's sad for me. Uh, someone left us a four star review and said that, uh, um, that the, he found the music distracting, or she found it. I don't know who who, who it is, but they they found the music distracting, and so we adjusted. We're sorry about that, and uh, we appreciate. I appreciate the input, though. I do appreciate it. I'm not honestly. I'm not that concerned about reviews. I want people to leave reviews and ratings because it helps visibility. But you know, 
I also feel like if it's a perfect five-star reviews all the time, then that either means that the podcast is perfect, which it's not, or that it's just my friends making reviews. So I don't mind the reviews. So I appreciate it, and uh, we have corrected. I do think it uh, may be a bit unfair that we have uh, recorded you know, well over 60 episodes, and that's – uh, the only time we've really done that over at Vice to Comics, and we got a, a slightly bad review. But I'm not mad about it. You know what I mean? We're having a good time. I am having a good time. All right, week 10. Title in this, simply headlining. Okay? All right, so as we've said before many times in this series, this is week 10. So this took 10 weeks to get here. But as far as your journey, if you started listening at week one and you were sitting on your couch and you're like, I want to become a comedian. You're nowhere close to this yet. You, you didn't, you're not here in 10 weeks. But I'm recording these podcasts so that I can refer to people at different times. So this, depending on where you're at, you've been featuring for a while, and now you're ready to headline. That's where we'll start. You've been featuring for a while. You're ready to headline. Be patient. You may be ready, but you may not be. Take your time. Make sure you are ready. The minimum headline set is 45 minutes, and I did my first 55-minute set in 2013. By late 2014, I recorded my first album, Making That Fudge. Great album. But I was not ready to be a headliner. I didn't know it at the time. But I only know that because it's 2019 and I am a headliner, but I'm still learning to be a headliner. I don't even feel equipped to tell anyone how to be a headliner. I can only share my experience. And that is the way I feel. I mean, there's people that have been headlining comedy clubs for so long that I don't feel like that I should get on here and try to pretend like I've got comedy all figured out. I'm only sharing my own experiences to help you get to a place. And I do feel like a good headliner. I feel like I'm doing a great job. I feel like people come and see me at clubs and they really enjoy me. But I know that, you know, I've been headlining for two or three years. In 10 years, where I'm going to be as a headliner, I'll look back at this time and hopefully I'll laugh at how good I thought I was. Hopefully I'll be so much better than what I am now that, that I'll laugh at it because that is a natural progression of comedy if you're working hard and striving to be better. Do you agree? Yes. I believe that headlining is much more than just being able to do 45 minutes. You have to be the best comic on the show. It won't always happen. I like to think that as a feature, I made it difficult for many headliners to follow me. Not on purpose, but towards the end of being a feature, I was really bringing the heat the best comics always rose to the occasion, but once in a while, they couldn't do it. And I was always asking myself, why am I not headlining? I felt shafted so often, I complained to my friends, to my wife, to my manager at the time, but never to the booker and never to the club. I knew if I continued to work hard that my time would come. I knew that one day my name would be on the marquee. Dusty Slay in lights. The problem that I see so often is people get so wrapped up in why they are not getting booked and why they are not headlining, and they look to blame the club and blame the booking agency, and they forget to look at themselves. They think they're doing better than they actually are. They are seen not doing well by the booker, and that can set you back. This is why I recommend waiting to record an album until you are truly ready. Otherwise, you are just you just put your potentially bad comedy on display for the world to see. If it's not bad, it's likely an album of unfinished jokes. That's why patience pays off. Comedy is a long game. It's a marriage, not a one-night stand. Take your time. Don't try and have a baby on the first date. Just try and hold hands. There's plenty of time for other stuff. That's cute, Dustin. Do you like that? That's a cute. That's a cute little analogy. 
Well, I think it's true. I think it's true. And 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 just to uh, touch on albums real quick before I move on, um, you know, who's to say when your comedy is ready and when you're ready to record an album? I'm not trying to sit here and tell you when you're ready, but all I'm saying is be patient with it because if you're not ready, like making that fudge, uh, you know, I could I could sit here and I could say about myself with that album, I could say, you know, if I'd have did those jokes for one more year and recorded them, then they would have been better. And that's true, but that's always going to be true. I do feel like the jokes were ready to be recorded. Some of them I never do anymore, and part of that album was that, was there were some jokes I wanted to get recorded, but I never wanted to do them again. But I did attempt to record that album three times before I settled on the one I wanted to go with. So, you know, give it some time. If you if you set up a grand recording and you go, I'm recording an album, and then a bunch of people show up and then you're not happy with how it turns out, you don't have to put it out. Don't feel like you have to just because everybody showed up. It's none of their business why you're not doing it, but if you need an excuse, go, hey, it didn't record well. I don't know. It didn't sound as good as I wanted it to sound. Whatever you want to do. All right, moving on. During your time as a feature, try and headline as many bar shows and local showcases as possible. Seize any opportunity to do 45 minutes all at once. You may have the time, but maybe haven't had many chances to do it all at once. You don't have the flow of it down. It could be boring. My first 20-minute set uh, was just four or five-minute sets strung together. I felt like I bored the audience. But the five-minute sets by themselves were dynamite, right? I would do these great five-minute sets, and people would go, oh, this is amazing. You're, you're, you're so great. And then I put those four or five-minute sets together, and I realized that it's basically the same jokes, just all strung together. And I'm like, so I really had to work on it. Play around with the order. Moving some joke you're not doing at the end to the front could change everything. Moving some joke you're doing at the end to the front could change everything. A good segue could be an extra joke. A lot of people like to do these things where they go, oh, nice segue. You know, they'll do stuff like that. That's fine. You can play around, have fun, however you want. But just think about this. If you're writing a segue, that, that might be an extra joke. That segue may actually become funny, and why would you want to lose the opportunity to have that extra funny joke? And then your whole set flows together. Well, it doesn't seem like you're moving from joke to joke, but almost like you're telling a story. Back in the day, I watched my friend Derek Humphrey transform his set from tons of one-liners to seemingly a few stories by just writing them all together in categories. He just took he just took all his jokes and he would say, all right, all these jokes are about uh, – I don't know. I'm just going to throw out a thing. All these jokes are about swimming. I got a lot of swimming one-liners. So he just told all the swimming one-liners all in one section and then suddenly it's like, oh, he's got a swimming bit. You know, is you, it, Your 15 jokes uh, about drinking could now become a great drinking bit and could be less boring to the audience. There are so many comics – that can do 45 there are only so many comics that can do 45 minutes of one-liners Stephen Wright, Mitch Hedberg, Todd Berry it's hard while you're featuring focus on not doing the same 25 to 30 minutes every show try to do a different hour throughout the weekend that way when you do get your shot at headlining you don't have a killer 30 minutes and then 15 30 minutes of material you've barely used Early on, I got booked by three agencies, Comedy Zone, Bonkers, Funny Business. Comedy Zone never headlined me. Bonkers headlined me immediately, and I featured for Funny Business for one year, and then moved. And then they moved me to headliner. Uh, there may be no logic to this, but I'll try and think about why and explain it. Does that make sense? Yes. With Comedy Zone, these are my thoughts. This was my first place I ever worked. They franchise their name out to places, and the people that work there get notes back to the main Comedy Zone guys, and based on their notes... All right, let's see. Oh, man. I don't even know what I just said. Let me start over. With Comedy Zone, these are my thoughts. This was the first place I ever worked. and the Comedy Zone, they franchise their name out to places, and the people that work there give notes back to the main Comedy Zone guys... And I think they base their notes solely on how many laughs you get. Um, 
So, you know, like, so you're working one of these clubs and, you know, it may be, you know, maybe they're franchised out to a hotel bar and the hotel restaurant manager is now suddenly the guy running the comedy club. The guy may not know anything about comedy. He doesn't appreciate comedy. He doesn't care about comedy. But he's in charge of giving notes back to the comedy zone. And he's probably half in, half out of the show, running the restaurant, running the bar. Right. So, so all he's hearing is the laughs you get. He's not watching you going, you know, that guy's not getting a lot of laughs, but he is a, he is a really good comic. I really enjoy him. So uh, I started doing improv and then began to do comedy in front of very smart and creative audiences in Charleston. And I wrote jokes for those audiences. These were people that I saw a lot of that these were people that saw a lot of comedy and they had an appreciation for the craft. The average road comedy audience is a bit different. They likely don't see as much comedy. Uh, they spent their whole week at work and don't want to think about jokes. They want musical comedy, puppets, and stool humping. I don't so I don't do well, and the person running the club or bar or hotel lobby converted into a club doesn't share in the appreciation of the craft, and they only base their grade on how many laughs I got. So when I'm not crushing, I get a bad grade, and the club never bumps me up to headline. I mean, why would they? I mean, they aren't seeing me do comedy, and all they see are mediocre reviews. I have still never headlined a comedy zone weekend. Not bashing the comedy zone. That, I'm giving an explanation because I think that, you know, uh, in some ways, when you, that's why I think it's always important to wait. Now, I needed the comedy zone because I needed to get those reps. So, because I'm not headlining them, that's okay. I got other gigs, but they helped me get the reps that I needed to get to the next level. So, um, the next place I worked was Bonkers. They didn't have a lot of gigs, uh, and I used to get like two a year. They immediately headlined me before I felt ready, but these were normally, uh, you know, kind of terrible casino gigs, so it didn't really matter. It's really a test to see if you can handle doing mediocre on stage for an hour. I'm grateful to the Comedy Zone and Bonkers. They helped me to become a better comic. I learned to work the road because of these gigs. I learned to perform for a whole new type of audience without losing my creative side. And I never try to go for the easy joke, but I also don't try and challenge the audience. I try to make it creative and uniquely me, but make it un- easy to understand. Does that make sense? Yes. I feel like I've been a little redundant because I've gone off script to share my own thoughts, and then I go back to the script and realize that I've already shared those thoughts and what I wrote. Just be free and be yourself. Thank you. I just hope that makes sense because, you know, I'm not criticizing Comedy Zone or Bonkers. These these places really helped me. They they they, they were always really nice to me. They really helped me. They gave me a lot of gigs. I'm just speaking in realities. I'm sharing my experience and I'm sharing my journey. Uh, they uh, Bonkers, I did so many gigs. When Bonkers had Latitude 360s, I love those. Those were amazing gigs. But I've done a lot of casinos with Bonkers and they're hard. They're hard gigs. Because it's people in casinos that have likely just lost money. Now, I've done casino gigs with other agencies as well, and they're just as hard. They're, they're, they just lost money. It's a free show. They go in there, and they sit in there, and they smoke cigarettes, and you're lucky to get a laugh out of them. Um, then I started working for Funny Business. They are very similar to Comedy Zone and Bonkers. They have some good clubs and some bad road gigs. By the time I started with Funny Business... I was more experienced, and Funny Business actually made an effort to come out to shows and watch me do comedy. The Yoders and Alicia with Funny Business are wonderful people, and they care about comedy. I featured for them one year, and then they bumped me up to headliner, and I truly began my journey to become a headliner. There's a video on my YouTube channel of me and Aaron Weber driving through the Upper Peninsula of Michigan doing Funny Business and Bonkers gigs. You'll get just a taste of what these gigs can be like. They can be painful, but they can also be a blast and a real learning experience. That is the video. It, it is, uh, it'll say like, uh, on the road with Dusty Slay through the Upper Peninsula. And that'll be me and Aaron Weber on the road doing some of those gigs. And uh, you'll get a real taste of it. Then there's independent clubs like Crackers in Indianapolis and Side Splitters in Tampa. Crackers, I worked my way from guest spot to feature 
and I featured for three years, and then I became a headliner. Um, and the first time I headlined um, at Crackers, I mean, I was very honored to do it because I had legitimately worked my way up from guest spot to feature to headliner. And there was a uh, uh, comic. Why can I never think of his last name? Jeff Bodart. Jeff Bodart. There was a comic, Jeff Bodart, who was featuring for me. Now, Jeff Bodart is, uh, you know, he is on a similar level than me, comedy-wise, right? I mean, the first time I worked with Jeff Bodart, I might have said this already before, so I, I, I hate that thing. Now, we're on a similar level. So the first time that I worked with Jeff Bodart, he was headlining a funny business gig, and I was featuring. And I felt like throughout the week that Jeff had a hard time following me. Now, he's a good comic, so he did well. But then the first time I headlined at Crackers, Jeff Bodart was my feature. And I had a hard time following Jeff. So it's like that's what I mean. We're on equal playing fields. And so Jeff gets up there and crushes it for 30 minutes. Then I got to go. I got to follow. I got to be a better comic. But Jeff was on that week. And the first week I was there, I had a heckler. And the way Cracker sets up is you got you got a little bar right around the stage where people can sit, and they can basically put their drinks on the stage. And that can be awesome, but it could be a nightmare if one of those people doesn't like you. And immediately I went up, and there was a guy in the front row, and, and I was like, you know, I don't know what I was saying. I don't even know if I was saying we're having a good time back then, but I was like, all right, we're having a good time. And the guy was like, like, yeah, we were. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, we like that other guy better. I mean, like, immediately he was at me. But the rest of the audience couldn't hear him. So I'm, like, fuming at this guy because he won't be quiet. He's making little comments at all my jokes. But he's also a very muscular guy. So the skinny security guy, I can't get him to come kick the guy out. I actually said, can you come throw this guy out of here? And nobody would come. And I was like, but it's like... Eventually, I got through it, but it was a real learning process for me because I was angry in five minutes of doing my set, and I had 50 to go. That was a tough time for you. And so it's like, you know, you think you're ready, but it's like you can't freak out up there. You can't walk off. You don't get to cool out. You don't get to go, you know what, let me chill out for a minute. You just, you got to take it, and you got you to rise above it. You got to learn from it. But, and now I've headlined there several times. Um, and I, I enjoy it. I have a great time every time. And Crackers is one of my favorite clubs. And Side Splitters, I worked my way up from feature to headline in two years. These clubs watched me, and I was crushing in their clubs. I was doing great. These are two of my favorite clubs. I love Tampa, and I love Indianapolis. Also, Zanies in Nashville, I worked my way from local showcase to hosting to featuring to headlining my own show once a month. I don't mess around with comedy. Um, I take every gig serious, and I'm always striving to be better. Uh, I did a little late night and headline. I, I did a little late night. Um, oh, oh, okay. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I did uh, a late night show. I did Jimmy Kimmel, and it, it you know the, all these things are a building thing. We all think that one thing is going to make it happen for us. It's all a building block. So when I say that I don't, I don't think that it necessarily helped. It was the beginning. It was a launching pad for me. It began to help me. So I did late night. I did Jimmy Kimmel Live and then followed up by headlining shows for 12 people. It doesn't feel good to know that no one showed up to your show. It's harder to, to do well for 12 people. But do you think I throw in the towel? I don't go in there. I, no, I dig deep. I connect and I make that audience wonder why no one else came. This is important. This makes you a great comic. Do your jokes. Don't default to crowd work. Always be practicing your jokes unless you want to be a crowd work comic. I just see that happen when there's nobody in the audience. People default to, to doing crowd work because they go, well, this show doesn't matter. But it's like it does matter. If you can get those 12 people on board with you and laughing based on the jokes that you have, then you have strong jokes. Basically, what I'm saying is work hard. Don't slack off. Continue to write jokes and build relationships and headlining will be the next natural progression. I know for a fact that a big reason that I got bumped up to headline at Crackers is because the wait staff liked me so much and kept pushing the owner to headline me. Building good relationships is so important to your success. Obviously, going viral is an instant path to headlining, and I'm sure, and, and sure, I'd like to be rich, uh, but more than that, I desire to be good at comedy. 
I don't want to just headline. I want to be a headliner. If you follow what I've said and what most headliners say, then you will also be a headliner. Don't settle for being mediocre. You also don't have to be the best. Just be the best that you can be. Boom. Working bad gigs helped me, helped make me strong. It made me uh, more, uh, it made me want it more, and it made me want to be better and stronger. Not to prove it to anyone else, but because I like making people laugh. In retail training, they used to say, people won't remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. I like that, and I think it's true. I want them to feel good. I want them to have a good time. Wow. All right. There it is. Dusty, you make me feel good, and you make me have a good time. Ten weeks in the books. We did it. We Season said two. We said we were going to do it. Week ten. Season two. We said we were going to do it, and we did it. Ten weeks committed through lots of travel, through lots of things we wrote. Through a four-star review, we have survived. I wrote this on airplanes and in hotel rooms, and I put passion into it. I hope that you can tell that I am passionate about it. Let me tell you something, folks. I ain't never seen my husband write anything, and he's been writing in these books for the last ten weeks, so I thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, I've been, and I got week 11 already written. I mean, week 11 is going to be how to stay positive in your comedy career because negativity is corrupting all of us. Negativity is the biggest corrupter. You you get a spirit of negativity and everything, now everything, you see everything from that lens. Yeah. So you have to, you have to rise above it. You have to not be negative. We'll be riding wildfire. All right, I'm going to say a couple of things here before we get out. There is um, uh, some music that I've been listening to, um, and um, I'd like to share it. It's called the, – the artist is called Brock Berrigan. I don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce it, but it's Brock, B-R-O-C-K, Berrigan, B-E-R-R-I-G-A-N. And this is not country. This is like a DJ, and I found this song – it's called The Way It Goes, and I just loved it. And I, I listened to like four or five of this guy's albums while writing stuff. It's just so great. I'm going to play a little bit of it right now. I think it's great. I mean, it just continues on like that. I'm getting into some trap music. I don't know what that is, but I... I think I, it's trap, right? Like I don't electronic? know. Electronic? I don't... I, I'm not going to call it trap music, uh, but I enjoy that. I enjoy that guy. I'm not looking to get into more stuff like that. Ow! These are the comedians we like. And then uh, a comedian, I listened to his... Some of his podcasts last week, I've, I've met him, I know him, uh, I run into him when I'm in New York, but I just think he's an amazing comic named Mark Norman, and uh, if you haven't checked out Mark Norman, I just think that guy is so funny, he's such a nice dude, uh, as far as I know, I mean, we're not best friends, but, but I've met him and know him, he's always been nice to me, and I think he's very funny, I recommend checking that out, and also, I was just on the Bobby Bones podcast, it's called Bobbycast. Um, and I, I felt like it was a, a good podcast. I really enjoyed talking to him. A little different uh, of a podcast. It's not a comedy podcast. He normally just has country music artists and stuff like that on there. So I was very happy to do that podcast, very honored to be on it. And uh, so you can check that out. It's called The Bobby Podcast, and uh, that just came out yesterday. 
So check that out. I appreciate you guys. Send emails. Stay tuned. we got more comedy stuff coming up. Also, if you have comedy things that you'd like to hear me talk about, send those to me now. You might have sent them to me already, uh, but resend it because uh, I had a mission. I was on a path to create things, and I'm all about bringing the positivity and, and making, helping people become better people. Because that's what we need, to be better and happier, to understand what we can and can't do, but understand that uh, you know there is something for us all. There is something that we can all do, and we can find it, and you're never going to find it by being negative. Do you agree? We. Oui. Is there anything, closing, our, closing uh, statements that you'd like to make, Anna? No, I thought this was fun, and I, and I thank you for... Uh, having me be your co-host. Do you enjoy the insight about headlining? Now, you've worked the road a bit. You've worked with a lot of headliners. You've headlined some yourself. What? um... Yeah, I mean, maybe all I would add is, you know, don't let it get to your head if you're featuring and some audience member comes up to you and says, I enjoyed you more than the headliner. You know, they're saying that to be nice and that's sweet, but it's like every comedian has said had that said to them, in one position or another, where I, you're the headliner and the feature did a better job that night, or you're the feature and you did better than the head. Like, it's like it, it, it all adds up to nothing. I can say that I've had it happen to me both ways. And I, and, and I hope Jeff doesn't mind me using him as this example. But when I featured for Jeff, uh, at least one person said they enjoyed me more than Jeff. And when Jeff featured for me, I know at least one person told him that they enjoyed him more than me. So, yes. Yeah, it's just weird the way that audience say that because I just think they don't get they just don't get it, but as a comedian, you need to understand that that's not you don't don't leave the club being like, "Heck yeah. Why not headlines?" Like, dude, Right. You're, you're going to have some humble pie served to you. The headliner is not keeping you from headlining. Yeah. Uh, just because, I mean, like I've opened for John Lovitz. I've done three weekends with John Lovitz. And John Lovitz gets an applause break like every show. But the first time I worked with him, the very first night in Lexington, Kentucky, he had a weird set. I had never worked with him before. And I've always been a fan of John Lovitz. And he had the weirdest set. And he bombed. And I had a great set. People came up to me and they were like, Oh man, you should have been the headliner. I don't know what's going on. You should, but it's like, yeah. The only reason you're at the club is because it's John Lovitz. Yeah. If it were Dusty Slay, you wouldn't have been here. Now this was prior to me doing anything late night oriented. Now I can draw a bit of a crowd, but it's like you were there to see John Lovitz, and it's like John Lovitz had a rough night. The rest of the week, he got standing ovations every show. Yeah, and I just remember a comic saying, like, yeah, people in this town, they can't even follow me. And it's like, well, okay, maybe, but also maybe you're a hack. And maybe you're doing, like, the kind of comedy that is hard to follow, not because you're the funniest, but because you ruin the room. Right, and that's exactly right, too. It's like, you, like, I was told, you know, if you want to be a headliner, you got to be so funny that the headliner can't follow you. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with, or the, yeah, I don't agree with that way of thinking but in some senses it is true because it's like once you reach a level where you get so funny that people don't want to follow you then you are ready to headline but it doesn't mean you're going to get it just remember all of the things be patient be persistent be polite always be getting better nothing everything comes in its right time everything comes in due time just be patient and know that you're working hard the money will come everything will come if you're being a good comic and not everyone that listens to this that wants to be a good comic is going to be you're not all going to be good comics that's just the way it is but there is something that you're good at and these following these same basic principles can help you achieve that too but don't get discouraged if you want to do comedy keep doing it make it happen but be writing jokes watching comics, listening to the professionals, listening to what they do and listen to how many laughs they get and then watch your own video and go, am I getting those same amount of laughs? Whatever you got to do, but don't lie to yourself. 
You know what I mean? Make it happen. We're all having a good time out here. I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you live out in Colorado, come see me. Anything else, Hannah? We're having a good time. We are having a good time. Thank you very much. Week 10, season 2. We did it. We I'm, did it. This is a celebration. I'm so excited that we did this 10-week thing. I don't mean to get all serious about it, but I'm just passionate about it, and I feel good about it. I like the joy that you're exuberating Yeah, right I now. feel good. I'm not, I'm not trying to get... I'm not trying... I don't think I'm the comedy guru. I don't think I know everything about comedy. I just... I'm just sharing my experiences, and I hope that in some way it benefits you. I mean, because honestly, there's so much bad comedy out there from people that have such bad ideas of misguided ideas. Right. And uh, I think we've got the best ideas. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you, uh, and thank you very much. We're having a good time.